0: this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org this recording is by mark smith of simpsonville south carolina the mysterious island by jules verne part 1 chapter 22 this intense cold lasted until the 15th of august without however passing the degree of fahrenheit already mentioned when the atmosphere was calm the low temperature was easily borne, but when the wind blew, the poor settlers, insufficiently clothed, felt it severely. Pencroft regretted that Lincoln Island was not the home of a few families of bears rather than of so many foxes and seals. "'Bears,' said he, "'are generally very well dressed, and I ask no more than to borrow for the winter the warm cloaks which they have on their backs. <laughs> but replied neb laughing perhaps the bears would not consent to give you their cloaks pencroft these beasts are not st martin's we would make them do it neb we wouldn't make them replied pencroft in quite an authoritative tone but these formidable carnivora did not exist in the island or at any rate they had not as yet shown themselves in the meanwhile Herbert, Pencroft, and the reporter occupied themselves with making traps on Prospect Heights and at the border of the forest. According to the sailor, any animal, whatever it was, would be a lawful prize, and the rodents or carnivora which might get into the new snares would be well received at Granite House. The traps were, besides, extremely simple, being pits dug in the ground, a platform of branches and grass above, which concealed the opening, and at the bottom some bait, the scent of which would attract animals. It must be mentioned also that they had not been dug at random, but at certain places where numerous footprints showed that quadrupeds frequented the ground. They were visited every day, and at three different times during the first days specimens of those Antarctic foxes which they had already seen on the right bank of the Mercy were found in them. "'Why, there are nothing but foxes in this country!' cried Pencroft when for the third time he drew one of the animals out of the pit. Looking at it in great disgust, he added, "'Beasts which are good for nothing!' "'Yes,' said Gideon Spillet, "'they are good for something.' "'And what is that?' "'To make bait to attract other creatures.' The reporter was right, and the traps were henceforward baited with the fox's carcasses. The sailor had also made snares from the long tough fibers of a certain plant, and they were even more successful than the traps. Rarely a day passed without some rabbits from the warren being caught. It was always rabbit, but Neb knew how to vary his sauces, and the settlers did not think of complaining. However, once or twice in the second week of August, the traps supplied the hunters with other animals more useful than foxes, namely, several of those small wild boars which had already been seen to the north of the lake Pencroft had no need to ask if these beasts were eatable he could see that by their resemblance to the pig of America and Europe but these are not pigs said Herbert to him I warn you of that Pencroft my boy replied the sailor bending over the trap and drawing out one of those representatives of the family of Seuss by the little appendage which served it as a tail let me believe that these are pigs why because that pleases me are you very fond of pig then pencroft i am very fond of pig replied the sailor particularly of its feet and if it had eight instead of four i should like it twice as much as to the animals in question they were peccaries belonging to one of the four species which are included in the family and they were also of the species of tajaku, recognizable by their deep color and the absence of those long teeth with which the mouths of their congeners are armed. These peccaries generally live in herds, and it was probable that they abounded in the woody parts of the island. At any rate, they were eatable from head to foot, and Pencroft did not ask more from them. Towards the 15th of August, the state of the atmosphere was suddenly moderated by the wind shifting to the northwest. The temperature rose seven degrees, and the accumulated vapor in the air was not long in resolving into snow. All the island was covered with a sheet of white, and showed itself to its inhabitants under a new aspect. The snow fell abundantly for several days, and it soon reached a thickness of two feet. The wind also blew with great violence, and at the height of Granite House the sea could be heard thundering against the reefs. In some places the wind, eddying around the corners, formed the snow into tall, whirling columns, resembling those water-spouts which turn round on their base, and which vessels attack with a shot from a gun. However, the storm, coming from the northwest, blew across the island, and the position of granite house preserved it from a direct attack. But in the midst of this snowstorm, as terrible as if it had been produced in some polar country, Neither Cyrus Harding nor his companions could, notwithstanding their wish for it, venture forth, and they remained shut up for five days, from the twentieth to the twenty-fifth of August. They could hear the tempest raging in the Jackamar woods, which would surely suffer from it. Many of the trees would no doubt be torn up by the roots, but Pencroft consoled himself by thinking that he would not have the trouble of cutting them down the wind is turning woodman let it alone he repeated besides there was no way of stopping it if they had wished to do so how grateful the inhabitants of granite house then were to heaven for having prepared for them this solid and immovable retreat Cyrus Harding had also his legitimate share of thanks but after all it was nature who had hollowed out this vast cavern and he had only discovered it they all were in safety and the tempest could not reach them if they had constructed a house of bricks and wood on prospect heights it certainly would not have resisted the fury of this storm as to the chimneys it must have been absolutely uninhabitable for the sea passing over the islet would beat furiously against it but here in granite house in the middle of a solid mass over which neither the sea nor air had any influence There was nothing to fear during these days of seclusion the sailors did not remain inactive there was no want of wood cut up into planks in the storeroom and little by little they completed their furnishing constructing the most solid of tables and chairs for material was not spared neb and pencroft were very proud of this rather heavy furniture which they would not have changed on any account Then the carpenters became basket-makers, and they did not succeed badly in this new manufacture. At the point of the lake which projected to the north they had discovered an osier bed in which grew a large number of purple osiers. Before the rainy season Pencroft and Herbert had cut down these useful shrubs, and their branches, well prepared, could now be effectively employed. The first attempts were somewhat crude. But in consequence of the cleverness and intelligence of the workmen, by consulting and recalling the models which they had seen, and by emulating each other, the possessions of the colony were soon increased by several baskets of different sizes. The storeroom was provided with them, and in special baskets Neb placed his collections of rhizomes, stone-pine almonds, etc., during the last week of the month of august the weather moderated again the temperature fell a little and the tempest abated the colonists sallied out directly there was certainly two feet of snow on the shore but they were able to walk without much difficulty on the hardened surface cyrus harding and his companions climbed prospect heights what a change the woods which they had left green especially in the part at which the firs predominated had disappeared under a uniform color all was white from the summit of Mount Franklin to the shore the forest the plains the lake the river the waters of the mercy flowed under a roof of ice which at each rising and ebbing of the tide broke up with loud crashes numerous birds fluttered over the frozen surface of the lake ducks and snipe teal and Guillemot were assembled in thousands the rocks among which the cascade flowed were bristling with icicles one might have said that the water escaped by a monstrous gargoyle shaped with all the imagination of an artist of the Renaissance as to the damage caused by the storm in the forest that could not as yet be ascertained they would have to wait till the snowy covering was dissipated Gideon Spilett, Pencroft and Herbert did not miss this opportunity of going to visit their traps. They did not find them easily under the snow with which they were covered they had also to be careful not to fall into one or other of them which would have been both dangerous and humiliating to be taken in their own snares but happily they avoided this unpleasantness and found their traps perfectly intact no animal had fallen into them and yet the footprints in the neighborhood were very numerous among others certain very clear marks of claws Herbert did not hesitate to affirm that some animal of the feline species had passed there, which justified the engineer's opinion that dangerous beasts existed in Lincoln Island. These animals doubtless generally lived in the forests of the far west, but, pressed by hunger, they had ventured as far as Prospect Heights. Perhaps they had smelled out the inhabitants of Granite House. "'Now what are these feline creatures?' asked Pencroft. "'They are tigers,' replied Herbert. "'I thought those beasts were only found in hot countries?' "'On the New Continent,' replied the lad, "'they are found from Mexico to the Pampas of Buenos Aires. "'Now, as Lincoln Island is nearly under the same latitude as the provinces of La Plata, "'it is not surprising that tigers are to be met with in it.' "'Well, we must look out for them,' replied Pencroft however the snow soon disappeared quickly dissolving under the influence of the rising temperature rain fell and the sheet of white soon vanished notwithstanding the bad weather the settlers renewed their stores of different things stone pine almonds rhizomes syrup from the maple tree for the vegetable part rabbits from the warren agoutis and kangaroos for the animal part This necessitated several excursions into the forest and they found that a great number of trees had been blown down by the last hurricane pencroft and neb also pushed with a cart as far as the vein of coal and brought back several tons of fuel they saw in passing that the pottery kiln had been severely damaged by the wind at least six feet of it having been blown off At the same time as the coal, the store of wood was renewed at Granite House, and they profited by the current of the Mercy having again become free to float down several rafts. They could see that the cold period was not ended. A visit was also paid to the chimneys, and the settlers could not but congratulate themselves on not having been living there during the hurricane. The sea had left unquestionable traces of its ravages sweeping over the islet it had furiously assailed the passages half filling them with sand while thick beds of seaweed covered the rocks while neb herbert and pencroft hunted or collected wood cyrus harding and gideon spilett busied themselves in putting the chimneys to rights and they found the forge and the bellows almost unhurt protected as they had been from the first by the heaps of sand the store of fuel had not been made uselessly the settlers had not done with the rigorous cold it is known that in the northern hemisphere the month of February is principally distinguished by rapid fallings of the temperature it is the same in the southern hemisphere and the end of the month of August which is the February of North America does not escape this climatic law about the 25th after another change from snow to rain the wind shifted to the southeast, and the cold became suddenly very severe. According to the engineer's calculation, the mercurial column of a Fahrenheit thermometer would not have marked less than eight degrees below zero, and this intense cold, rendered still more painful by a sharp gale, lasted for several days. The colonists were again shut up in Granite House, and as it was necessary to hermetically seal all the openings of the façade only leaving a narrow passage for renewing the air the consumption of candles was considerable to economize them the cavern was often only lighted by the blazing hearths on which fuel was not spared several times one or other of the settlers descended to the beach in the midst of ice which the waves heaped up at each tide but they soon climbed up again to granite house and it was not without pain and difficulty that their hands could hold to the rounds of the ladder in consequence of the intense cold their fingers felt as if burned when they touched the rounds to occupy the leisure hours which the tenants of granite house now had at their disposal cyrus harding undertook an operation which could be performed indoors We know that the settlers had no other sugar at their disposal than the liquid substance which they drew from the maple, by making deep incisions in the tree. They contented themselves with collecting this liquor in jars, and employing it in this state for different culinary purposes, and the more so, as on growing old, this liquid began to become white and to be of a syrupy consistence. But there was something better to be made of it and one day Cyrus Harding announced that they were going to turn into refiners. "'Refiners!' replied Pencroft. "'That is rather a warm trade, I think.' "'Very warm,' answered the engineer. "'Then it will be seasonable,' said the sailor. "'This word, refining, need not awaken the mind thoughts of an elaborate manufactory with apparatus and numerous workmen. No, to crystallize this liquor only an extremely easy operation is required placed on the fire in large earthen pots it was simply subjected to evaporation and soon a scum arose to its surface as soon as this began to thicken neb carefully removed it with a wooden spatula this accelerated the evaporation and at the same time prevented it from contracting an empire flavor After boiling for several hours on a hot fire, which did as much good to the operators as the substance operated upon, the latter was transformed into a thick syrup. This syrup was poured into clay moulds, previously fabricated in the kitchen stove, and to which they had given various shapes. The next day this syrup had become cold, and formed cakes and tablets. This was sugar of rather a reddish colour but nearly transparent and of a delicious taste the cold continued to the middle of september and the prisoners in granite house began to find their captivity rather tedious nearly every day they attempted sorties which they could not prolong they constantly worked at the improvement of their dwelling they talked while working harding instructed his companions in many things principally explaining to them the practical applications of science the colonists had no library at their disposal but the engineer was a book which was always at hand always open at the page which one wanted a book which answered all their questions and which they often consulted the time thus passed away pleasantly these brave men not appearing to have any fears for the future however All were anxious to see, if not the fine season, at least the cessation of the insupportable cold. If only they had been clothed in a way to meet it, how many excursions they would have attempted, either to the Downs or to Tadorn's Fens! Game would have been easily approached, and the chase would certainly have been most productive. But Cyrus Harding considered it of importance that no one should injure his health, for he had need of all his hands and his advice was followed but it must be said that the one who was most impatient of this imprisonment after Pencroft perhaps was top the faithful dog found granite house very narrow he ran backwards and forwards from one room to another showing in his way how weary he was of being shut up Harding often remarked that when he approached the dark well which communicated with the sea And of which the orifice opened at the back of the storeroom top uttered singular growlings he ran round and round this hole which had been covered with a wooden lid sometimes he even tried to put his paws under the lid as if he wished to raise it he then yelped in a peculiar way which showed at once anger and uneasiness the engineer observed this maneuver several times What could there be in this abyss to make such an impression on the intelligent animal? The well led to the sea, that was certain. Could narrow passages spread from it through the foundations of the island? Did some marine monster come from time to time to breathe at the bottom of this well? The engineer did not know what to think, and could not refrain from dreaming of many strange improbabilities accustomed to go far into the regions of scientific reality he would not allow himself to be drawn into the regions of the strange and almost of the supernatural but yet how to explain why top one of those sensible dogs who never waste their time in barking at the moon should persist in trying with scent and hearing to fathom this abyss if there was nothing there to cause his uneasiness top's conduct puzzled cyrus harding even more than he cared to acknowledge to himself at all events the engineer only communicated his impressions to gideon spilett for he thought it useless to explain to his companions the suspicions which arose from what perhaps was only top's fancy at last the cold ceased there had been rain squalls mingled with snow hailstorms gusts of wind But these inclemencies did not last. The ice melted, the snow disappeared, the shore, the plateau, the banks of the Mercy, the forest, again became practicable. This return of spring delighted the tenants of Granite House, and they soon only passed in it the hours necessary for eating and sleeping. They hunted much in the second part of September, which led Pencroft to again entreat for the firearms which he asserted had been promised by cyrus harding the latter knowing well that without special tools it would be nearly impossible for him to manufacture a gun which would be of any use still drew back and put off the operation to some future time observing in his usual dry way that herbert and Spilett had become very skilful archers so that many sorts of excellent animals agoutis kangaroos, capybaras, pigeons, bustards, wild ducks, snipes, in short, game both with fur and feathers, fell victims to their arrows, and that, consequently, they could wait. But the obstinate sailor would listen to nothing of this, and he would give the engineer no peace till he promised to satisfy his desire. Gideon Spilett, however, supported Pencroft. "'If which may be doubted,' said he, the island is inhabited by wild beasts we must think how to fight with and exterminate them a time may come when this will be our first duty but at this period it was not the question of firearms which occupied harding but that of clothes those which the settlers wore had passed this winter but they would not last till next winter skins of carnivora or the wool of ruminants must be procured at any price AND SINCE THERE WERE PLENTY OF musmons, IT WAS AGREED TO CONSULT ON THE MEANS OF FORMING A FLOCK WHICH MIGHT BE BROUGHT UP FOR THE USE OF THE COLONY. AN ENCLOSURE FOR THE DOMESTIC ANIMALS, A POULTRY YARD FOR THE BIRDS, IN A WORD, TO ESTABLISH A SORT OF FARM IN THE ISLAND, SUCH WERE THE TWO IMPORTANT PROJECTS FOR THE FINE SEASON. IN CONSEQUENCE AND IN VIEW OF THESE FUTURE ESTABLISHMENTS, IT BECAME OF MUCH IMPORTANCE that they should penetrate into all the yet unknown parts of lincoln island that is to say through that thick forest which extended on the right bank of the mercy from its mouth to the extremity of the serpentine peninsula as well as on the whole of its western side but this needed settled weather and a month must pass before this exploration could be profitably undertaken they therefore waited with some impatience when an incident occurred which increased the desire the settlers had to visit the whole of their domain. It was the twenty-fourth of October. On this day Pencroft had gone to visit his traps, which he always kept properly baited. In one of them he found three animals which would be very welcome for the larder. They were a female peccary and her two young ones. Pencroft then returned to Granite House, enchanted with his capture, and, as usual, he made a great show of his game. "'Come, we shall have a grand feast, Captain,' he exclaimed. "'And you too, Mr. Spilett. you will eat some.' "'I shall be very happy,' replied the reporter. "'But what is it that I am going to eat?' "'Suckling pig!' "'Oh, indeed, Suckling pig, Pencroft. "'To hear you, I thought that you were bringing back a young partridge stuffed with truffles.' "'What?' cried Pencroft. "'Do you mean to say that you turn up your nose at Suckling-Pig?' "'No,' replied Gideon Spilett, without showing any enthusiasm, "'provided one doesn't eat too much.' "'That's right, that's right,' returned Sailor, who was not pleased whenever he heard his chase made light of. "'You like to make objections. Seven months ago, when we landed on the island, you would have been only too glad to have met with such game.' "'Well, well,' replied the reporter, "'man is never perfect nor contented.' "'Now,' said Pencroft, "'I hope that Neb will distinguish himself. "'Look here. "'These two little peccaries are not more than three months old. "'They will be as tender as quails. "'Come along, Neb, come. "'I will look after the cooking myself.' "'And the sailor, followed by Neb, entered the kitchen, "'where they were soon absorbed in their culinary labors. They were allowed to do it in their own way. Neb, therefore, prepared a magnificent repast. The two little peccaries, kangaroo soup, a smoked ham, stone pine almonds, Oswego tea, in fact all the best that they had. But among all the dishes figured in the first rank the savory peccaries. At five o'clock dinner was served in the dining-room of Granite House. The kangaroo soup was smoking on the table. They found it excellent. To the soup succeeded the peccaries, which Pencroft insisted on carving himself, and of which he served out monstrous portions to each of the guests. These suckling-pigs were really delicious, and Pencroft was devouring his share with great gusto, when all at once a cry and an oath escaped him. "'What's the matter?' asked Cyrus Harding. "The "'The matter is I've just broken a tooth!' replied the sailor. What are there pebbles in your peckeries? said Gideon Spilett. I suppose so, replied Pencroft, drawing from his lips the object which had cost him a grinder. It was not a pebble; it was a leaden bullet. End of chapter.